for listening to the Grace Life Podcast. Christian, why does that word put a bad taste in some people's mouths? Maybe it's because too many Christians don't know how to follow Christ. Religion is one thing, but a relationship is something else entirely. Discover the difference. Join us for a new series about being a Christian atheist. All right, good morning, everybody. Welcome to Grace Life. Hope you guys are having fun. You might be in trouble. I got excited yesterday for church today. I don't know why. I am just excited today. I mean, I've not been like yelling all morning like, man, God's going to do something. I'm having fun. So you're either going to be along for the ride or you're going to be upset with it. I don't know which it is. I hope it's all going to be good. Hey, a couple of things before we get into the message. The first one is that uh, announcement about baptism coming up. So uh, we have a baptism two weeks from today, two Sundays from today, so September 24th. What that means is you can go to the app or you can go to the website, sign up, and then next Sunday night, we're going to have a baptism class, and that may sound boring. It's not. It's a very short discussion on just making sure we understand what it is, uh, answering your questions, and so I want to invite you to be here next Sunday night to be a part of that. Go ahead and register right now. Uh, The second thing, as we mentioned last week, how we had been helping a church that we are in relationship with in the Houston area, uh, and how we had been sending part of our missions money to help them rescue people and bless people and do great things, and we were going to put together a team to go down, and we are still working on doing that. At the moment, we think our team may have to stop off in Florida along the way. We don't know. So anyway, we're still kind of deciding where all we're sending teams in the next couple of weeks. We are putting together teams, and we have team leaders. So here's what I need for you. If you are someone who says, I want to be a part of that, because we had people come up to me last week and said, if you're going, I want to go. Like, okay, well, we're, we're working on that. So if you have any heart to take a couple of days off from work, a couple of days off from school, whatever it is you can do, and you would like to be a part of a team either to the Texas area or to uh, the Florida area, because we have some churches that we've actually helped start that are in the panhandle of Florida that are going to get smacked around a little bit in that community. So we are ready to go and be Jesus to those communities. If you want to be a part of that, if you can do that, drop by the white tent and sign up. We do not have firm dates yet, as one storm is still on the way here, Uh, but in the next week or two or even three, we are going to be sending people places, so if you want to be considered or just to know what's going on, uh, to hopefully be a part of that, drop by the white tent and sign up. Everybody good? Yeah. Isn't it exciting to to like go and help people and say, man, we're just just trying to like love you because Jesus loved the world. All right, third thing, I promised you last week I'd do it this week. Who wants to know where we are with the building process? Come on, somebody. Ooh, I tell you what, I'm excited about this one. Yeah. So here's where we are. We are buying that ugly warehouse right down the road. Going to make it look like this absolutely cool, awesome building. And uh, the inside's cool, too. I can't show you pictures of that because, you know, it's all in our heads. But it's still good. Got a great floor plan. Let's talk about where we are some financial stuff. This is good news too as well. Right now, we need nine, no, no more about. We're going to remove the word about. We need exactly $907,758 to close. We have in our cash toward the building fund uh, $869,371.46. That means we need exactly $38,206.54 Now, for those of you that were here six months ago, that number was half a million dollars. Come on, from half a million to 38,000 in six months. 
it humbles me is what it does because it tells me how much you guys believe in grace life and what god is going to do through this church and this community uh, it tells me how much some of you have given sacrificially how generous you've been all i can say is thank you thank you thank you uh, there is no doubt that thirty-eight thousand dollars will come in i mean we've had weeks where people are given twenty thousand a week I, that's that may seem like a lot of money if you owed a bill this week for your personal home that is not a lot for us as a church uh, we've got lots of people and god has given all of us plenty of money so hey there you go um, i'm not worried about that where are we on the timeline it looks like we are going to be closing and seeing construction begin in the neighborhood of about four weeks so uh you know originally we we're hoping for right about now so we're anywhere in the two to four week range of being a little bit behind but doing a project of this size only being a couple of weeks behind is amazing so we do have our fixed price contract from our contractor now Yay, that means all of the bids are in, nothing's changing on the price. Um, it means all of our paperwork is with Richland County. It's in their hands to say, go forth and build something for the kingdom. Uh, they don't word it that way, but that's what they mean. Anyway, there you go. All right, so are you guys excited for that? Yeah. Awesome. If you've been around Grace Life for any time, you already know the first part of what I'm about to say, which is that I grew up here. I grew up in South Carolina. So, you know, when storms like this come, I can relate back to Hurricane Hugo. Who remembers Hurricane Hugo? Yep. Uh, just a funny story. It has nothing to do with my message. Hurricane Hugo was coming through as a Category 3 hurricane, and it went right over Charleston, went right over Columbia, and then went right over my house, upstate South Carolina. And there was a point in the night where I thought to myself, my car is probably not parked in a very good place because I would drive in every day and, and just pull up right in front of this big oak tree that formerly was in front of our house. And so I got this morning, I was like, you know, I should probably move my car. And so I got my keys and I opened the door, no joke. As soon as I opened the door, I just heard, boom, close the door. No need to move the car anymore. So anyway, there you go. But because I did grow up here in South Carolina in the Bible Belt, that means I also grew up going to church. Uh, one time a week, two times a week, three times a week, not an exaggeration, and even on vacation, right? And so uh, I'll tell you the honest truth. I don't really know a time in my life when I could ever say I didn't believe in God. I actually do remember a point where I tried not to. I somewhere around the middle school years, I remember, you know, science teachers are saying this, history teachers are saying that, friends are asking questions I don't have answers to. And I remember trying to think, It'd be easier if I weren't one of those Christians because then I wouldn't have to disagree with all of my teachers and I wouldn't have to argue with my friends or look stupid when they ask questions I don't have answers to. And I remember thinking to myself, I'm not going to believe in God. And as soon as I said that, there was this thought in my head, I know now, was just, you can't not believe in God. You know he's there. Like, oh man, you're right. That stinks, you know? I mean, you ever had that moment where you're like, I don't have an answer to this question, but I can't, be you know, I can't believe he's not there. I don't ever have a time where I can think back and not believe, even from the youngest age, I knew God was real, I knew God was there. When I was 16 years old, I went on a retreat uh, with Fellowship of Christian Athletes. I don't know what y'all thinking. Went on a retreat with the Fellowship of Christian Athletes because I was one. And uh, yeah, there you go, band student. But that's all right. Band students run in circles. It's called track. You can do that. All right, anyway, back to the point. I was 16 years old and gave my life to Jesus. I knew at that point God had called me to do something with his life. And then came college. 
And I'd love to tell you that I went off to college and I acted like somebody who was raised in the Bible Belt. Well, honestly, truth is, I think I did act like somebody raised in the Bible Belt. Because I went to college in the Bible Belt and I acted like everybody else from around there, you know. Uh, what that meant is I had several girlfriends that weren't believers, one of which was a declared atheist, one of which went on to become an actual witch. I'd like to say that I was a better person than I was at times, and I don't know if any of you are going to decide I can't be your pastor, but the truth is at that point in my life, I even got involved in physical relationships that I knew God wasn't happy with. And yet I would still show up at church every Sunday morning, even in college, even without my mama to drag me out of bed. I made it to church every Sunday morning because there was never a point in my life that I didn't believe God was there. I knew he was there and I knew that I needed to worship him. But man, there were just other things that I wanted to do. I was, an, I was a walking contradiction. I'm not going to ask you to raise your hand, but I'm pretty sure I'm not the only walking contradiction in the room at times. It turns out many of us believe in God, but then actually live as though he does not exist. We, we do things like go to church, but then decide for ourselves if we'll do what the pastor preaches. We read the Bible, but skip the parts we don't like. We say Jesus is king, but we live as though we are king, right? Come on, I need some amens in the room because y'all are not going to look at me like I'm the only one that does this stuff today. You know, we're starting a four-part series today called Christian Atheists. And then the idea behind it is this, 94% of our country says they believe in God or a supreme being. But if we were to look at the lives of 94% of people in our country, it doesn't look like they believe in God. Matter of fact, the Bible tells us that the demons believe and they shudder. They believe and they're scared. Would you call a demon a Christian? Of course not. Well, you know what that means? It means believing is not the point. Believing is not the point. What is a point is how we live. So the series we're doing for the next four weeks, I wish that I could say I'm the genius that came up with this because this stuff is phenomenal. But it's based on a book by a guy named Craig Groeschel. He's a pastor here in America. It's called The Christian Atheist. We do have some of these at cost in the bookstore. They'll sell out fast and that's okay because Amazon also <laughs> has them if you don't get one this morning. But it turns out many of us claim to believe in God and then live as though he doesn't exist. We believe as Christians, but we live as atheists. The Bible talks about guys like us. It says such people claim that they know God, but then they deny him by the way they live. Don't you love when you read the Bible and you always think about those Bible verses that talk about other people? Man, I can't believe back then there were people who said they knew God but lived a different way. Man, what were those people like? Man, I'm glad I wasn't around those people. Just like me in college, our lives speak way louder than our beliefs. So in the book, he covers 12 primary ways that we say we believe one thing but then live another. I'm not doing this for the next 12 weeks, so highly encourage you to get the book. Check it out. It's a fun, easy read because he's a funny guy, and he writes just like he talks. But also let you know we have two life groups. How many people have a life group? Come on, raise your hand. How many people are in a life group? Good. Yeah. If you're not in a life group, they just got started in the middle of last week. You are not behind. You can sign up today. You can sign up right now. If I'm boring to you, get on your phone, get on the app, pick a life group. Two life groups are going through this book. So if you want to do this with them, one on the other side of town, the other side of the river, and then one here on this side of town. So you got lots of opportunities there. We're only going to cover four 
for four weeks, we're going to cover four areas, four that are on my heart more than all of the others, uh, four that I seem to deal with more than all of the others when I'm trying to help people. And so that's what we're going to talk about today. I'm going to start off with a light, easy little topic. Promise not to step on any toes for the next four weeks. I'm glad y'all know when your pastor's a liar. All right. Today we're going to talk about when you believe in God but live with yourself as king. When you believe in God but live with yourself as king. Again, don't you love when the Bible talks about the person sitting beside you, right? So here's what happens. When we believe in God but live with ourselves as king, that means we do what we want instead of what God says. That means we obey our desires over God's command. This is already starting to sound fun, isn't it? There we go. Woo! So what does God actually expect from somebody who says, I believe in God? What does he expect? Well, let's look at this. In 1 John, it says this. We can be sure that we know him if. I don't know about you, but half the time I'm reading the Bible, I wish the word if were not there. So many times you're in the middle of a, just an awesome verse, the promises of God. God's going to do this for you if. Man, who put that there? We can be sure we know God if we obey his commandments. If someone claims I know God but doesn't obey God's commandments, that person is a liar and is not living in the truth. Wow. I don't know about you. I have to say, ouch. You know? So I want to ask a question. I think the best thing we can do this morning is answer this question. Why don't we obey God? Why don't we obey God? And I know right now everybody's going to go with the answers like, well, because, you know, we're broken, man. We're fallen. Like, haven't you read the beginning of the book, Genesis 3? Like, we've been screwed up ever since. It's not my fault. It's Adam's fault, right? We say things like, why don't don't we obey God? Because I'm a sinner. I know I'm a sinner. We're all sinners, right? Everybody is a sinner. Let me tell you what the problem is with those answers. None of those answers are going to inspire you to change. Because if I'm a sinner, and I'm always going to be a sinner, which I'm always going to be a sinner, then I'm not going to do anything about any of my sin. So those answers we need to set aside. Because although they are true, they are never going to inspire us to do anything about who we are. And that is what we've got to deal with today. So what I want to share with us today is reasons. Reasons that we will actually deal with in order to confront and to change the Christian atheist inside of each of us. I'm going to give us two reasons that I think, two reasons I deal with when I, when I help people, when I work with people, when I talk to people about their lives. I've discovered over the short number of years I've been doing this, there are two reasons. That I think they cover everything. I think everything fits into one of these two things. When somebody's doing one thing and they know God would say another, it comes down to one of these two things. So if you can imagine, this is one coin, it's got two sides. And you can decide as I'm going through these two, which one is the head and which one is the tail. Because for some of you, one of these reasons is the head of why you're, you're always doing something else, and the other one is the tail. One's more important to you and one's less important to you. But these are the two things that we need to face today. Number one, we don't trust God. We just don't trust God. I'm going to share a scripture with you out of Proverbs 3. It says, trust in the Lord with some of your heart. Lean on your own understanding. In some of your ways, acknowledge him, and you can make your paths straight. Quoting the Christian atheist version of the Bible this morning. Some of you may have had a difficulty with that. Maybe you're using the uh, 
New International Version or the English Standard Version. But, uh, you know, the original manuscripts before it was translated by a Christian atheist actually said something a little different. And it says this, Trust in the Lord with all your heart and do not lean on your own understanding. In all your ways acknowledge Him and He will make straight your path. Did y'all catch the difference in that? Come on, I mean, I know you did, right? Here's the problem. This is one of the most famous verses in the Bible. If you've been a believer for a while, chances are somebody's quoted this one to you. You've probably quoted it to somebody else. And this is one of the primary Christian atheist version verses because we know what that version says. And you started laughing when I read the Christian atheist version, but it's the one we live. It's the one we live. Because how many of us say, I don't know how it's going to turn out, but I'm going to do it anyway because God said so. I'm pretty sure this may not turn out so well. I'm going to do it anyway because God said so. I'm going to give that even though it means I won't pay my bill tomorrow because God said so. I'm going to stop doing that even though I want to do that because God, right? I mean, we know one version, but we live the other. The good question is, why don't we trust God? Well, come on, can we be honest this morning? We don't trust God because we let him be in charge of a couple things one time. Can y'all remember those? Come on, right now, everyone, if you can think back to one of those stories. I remember that time I let God do it his way. That didn't work out so well. I prayed, and he did something different. And I wanted it to go this way, and it went that way. And, and I just don't understand. It seems that life really is a lot better when I'm in control. Besides, there are those times I prayed, and God just took too long to answer. I don't have time for that. Ain't nobody got time for that. We got lives to live, and we got to live them the way we want to. All right, come on. Y'all got to have more fun. Y'all are scared. Y'all don't need to be scared till next week. Next week's going to hurt. This week's easy. This is nothing. Watch. Nobody's coming back next week, man. Yeah. Truth is, we just don't trust God for much of anything. I don't trust God for my salvation. That's why I secretly always wonder if I'm good enough. I don't trust God with my children. That's why I work so hard to protect them. After all, I created them. I got them here. I know their future. I know the day they're leaving. Oh, no, wait a minute. That's God, isn't it? I don't really trust God with my finances. I mean, if I were to give 10%, that would just be ridiculous. Where would the rest come from? I don't really trust God to answer my prayers. I can't remember the last time I said, hey, God, could you please do this by noon? And he did. I don't really trust God to do what's best for me. I mean, there are a lot of times I knew what was best for me and things just worked out differently. I don't trust God to forgive me. That's why I still feel guilty every day when I wake up. Every night when I go to bed, I feel like I'm just not good enough. Truth is, I don't really trust God because I, I don't believe God's ways are better than mine. That's what it comes down to at the end of the day. I think one of the key reasons we don't do what God says is because we know that's what he thinks. But I'm talking about what I think. And what I think just seems better to me. Early in my marriage, I did very simple math. I was a teacher. I was hired to be a teacher. I had student loans I had to pay back. My wife was Romanian, had just moved to this country with me, uh, which means there were not a lot of jobs for Romanian translators in the county we lived in, and that was kind of her profession prior to moving. And so the, the math was we made this, and we owed this. Now, God's ways would say, get another job, fool. It's in there somewhere, some version, right? Or, or do less or, or something. 
but my ways were, I'm already broke, I might as well be broke and enjoy it. So one of my wife's favorite activities, I'm not kidding you, I mean, I look back and just go, how stupid were we? But one of our favorite things to do was to go window shopping when we felt poor with Visa. I don't know why we thought that was a good idea, but we figured out, look, we make this much, we owe this much. Why would it matter if we owe this much? Because we still only make this much. If we're going to be broke, we might as well at least enjoy it. And so why God would say, I'm sure somewhere in there, because I've read it a little bit, that we should do without, we just said we're going to do with, and we'll let Visa figure it out. And the bills just kept adding up, and the interest just kept adding up. One of our younger children is still in the same struggle you and I are in every single day. You know, we're supposed to really kind of learn this lesson from our parents, but I've got a child that it does not matter what I say, doesn't matter how I say it, doesn't matter when I say it, the first words out of his mouth are wine. I mean, I could look at him and say, I'm going to buy you ice cream. Why? We're going to make you the king of the house. Why? Go get your shoes on. Why? Look, it doesn't matter why. Go get your shoes on. Why? Where are we going? What are we doing? No, I'm not answering that. He will not budge. Sorry, I gave it away. It's not the daughter. <laughs> I won't tell you which of the two that's left, though. He will not budge until he trusts what he knows about the situation. Because he can't trust me. He can't trust me to when I say, put your shoes on. I know where we're going. I know what we're doing. I know what's best. I've got a good plan. I'm not taking you out to kill you. I mean, he. <laughs> Seriously, it's, you're laughing because it's that stupid, but he acts as though it's a possibility. Put my shoes on. Why? <laughs> I know I didn't clean my room, but why? No, I mean, trust in his own understanding and won't budge until he trusts in his because he refuses to trust in mine it's really easy to spend our entire lives believing in god but living completely as though he doesn't exist if we don't trust him if we believe our ways are better we will never trust him and we've got to admit to that now for some of you the head or the tail is that you don't trust him so let's flip that coin over what is the other reason that we will not do what god says sometimes it's because one side of the coin God, I just don't think that your ways are better. I mean, I just don't. But now we flip that coin over, and there's another reason that many of us just do not do what God would have us do. We say God is there, but we live with ourselves as king. And the number two reason the other side of the coin is we simply don't fear God. We don't fear God. I mean, I just read the news sometimes and listen to some things. I've, I've been on a board for a human trafficking organization. I've preached about human trafficking, so I keep in touch with what's going on in the world and human trafficking, and uh, I read the stats, and one of the thoughts that, that I'm reading is I'm discovering what, is, what they are doing to the youngest of children on our globe today is think, how do they think they can get away with that? I mean, that just goes through my head. And I know you've done it too. You've watched the news and you've heard a story and you just thought, how does that person think they can get away with that? And the answer is very simple. They don't fear God. They don't fear Him. They don't, they don't care. Here's what Psalm 36 says. It says, sin whispers to the wicked deep within their hearts. Catch this part. They have no fear of God. 
They have no fear of God at all. Now, I love, I know right now every one of us would love to say, I'm not wicked. I'm not wicked. I'm bought with a price. I'm a child of God. I belong to Jesus. I'm not wicked. Yeah, but what if our lives look like it? I hope everybody in here can actually say, I don't fit the definition of wicked in the Bible. But the sad truth is we still fit the description of wicked in the Bible, right? See, sin whispers things like, oh, just go ahead. God will forgive you anyway. Oh, just most people are doing much worse. What's the big deal? Sin whispers things like, you've done it before. You got away with it then. That's what sin whispers so quietly. But fear of God declares, I mean, as loud as possible, don't do it because, well, God says so. The fear of God declares, honor God rather than do what I want. The fear of God declares, God is God and I'm not. So I should probably do what he says because he's God, right? That's the fear of God. See, when you fear God, you will serve him any way he says, without any conditions. The problem is Christian atheists love conditions. Well, hey, God, I know you're there, and that's all great. I'll do this if, I'll do this when, and I'll do it this way. I mean, we are like the kings of conditional loving God. Come on, somebody with me? I know you're old. Come on. Y'all are acting like, man, he ain't talking to me. He's talking to you. Are you paying attention? Stop elbowing your spouse. See, we like conditions. We say things like, I'll serve you. I'm just not going to move to Africa. Oh, no. I'll go to church, but I am not going to stop sleeping with my boyfriend. I'll give a little, but I'm not giving that much. Tithing, ha! Who came up with that idea? Why don't we fear God? Why? I love whys. Have y'all not noticed that by now? If you've been to Grace Life for like three Sundays, you figured out that is my favorite question. I grew up being the kid who always asked why. And I feel like it's something God has redeemed because when I preach, I don't just try to throw stuff at you. I try to figure out how we can actually figure out what's wrong with us and how we can change. So, okay, we get it. We don't fear God. I don't think anybody in this room would really argue with me. Every one of us has things we do the way we want, knowing God is in heaven going, what are you doing? The real question is why? One of my favorite things to do as a kid was to go to a buffet salad bar. Now, those of you that know me know I didn't eat my first salad by definition until I was 36 years old. True story. There's a whole other crisis in my life watching my dad get sick and go to heaven and just decided to, to change. But I loved going to the salad bar buffet as a kid. I would, I would go and get what I want because here's the thing, you know, a normal salad, they bring it to you and they've already made that thing. And, and when it's a salad bar buffet, you get to make it. And so I'd go up and I'd start with the croutons and I'd put in a good layer of croutons and I'd skip some things and then I'd get a whole little scoop of cheddar cheese and go down a little bit more and get the bacon bits. I mean, I was having like a grilled cheese sandwich in a bowl. Anybody knows what I'm talking about? True story. It's just the way I was, what I liked. I would skip everything that would be deemed in any way vegetation because that was rabbit food. That was not my food. Turns out we all like to pick and choose. We like buffets because we can get a lot of the stuff we like and leave behind all the stuff we don't like. And now you get back to the table, your parents will say, is that what you're eating? But they don't care. They're too busy eating their own thing. 
They got what they liked and they left behind what they didn't like. Well, we take buffets right into our theology and we get pick and choose theology. And this is the real reason why we don't fear God. You see, you will not fear God if you choose his mercy, but not his wrath. We just, we don't need to talk about that. You will not fear God if you choose his love, but not his truth. You will not fear God if you choose his forgiveness, but not his justice. He's forgiven everything. He will never hold anybody accountable, right? And you definitely, above all, will never fear God if you believe that he wants you to be happy at all costs. That, by the way, is one of the chapters. Don't read that one. I've read it. It hurt. See, when we don't trust God and when we don't fear God, it is easy to believe he exists, but then still live with myself as king. If I don't fear him, I'm not worried about what he thinks. If I don't trust him, I got to take control myself. I end up being king. One way or the other, that's what works. You know what I appreciate most about this book is Craig did not write it pointing his finger. Craig is one of the best pastors in our country today. He started the church from scratch, and it is now the largest church in our country, over 50,000 people worshiping every weekend, has published several books. He's one of the greatest leaders in the church world today, and he writes the book saying, I'm a Christian atheist. Come on. I love it. I love the humility of even one of the most successful pastors, of one of the most devoted pastors. He doesn't have some secret life. Of, of being a real guy saying, but on, on this day of the week, I'm still a Christian atheist. In this part of my life, I'm still a Christian atheist. Here's the truth we must face today. Raise your hand. Come on. You know where this is going. Say, I am a Christian atheist. Because I don't think there's anybody in this room that would dare say, in every area of my life, you pick, I don't care which, in every area of my life, I am the perfect example of what it means to follow God. Anybody? We've got three more weeks. Somebody can preach. I'll go on vacation. I mean, if anybody can say me. No, no, no. We are Christian atheists. Every single one of us are. We have got to be willing to admit this. So here's what we need to do today. Because this, I didn't just come to make you feel bad, nor did I come to make you feel good. I came so that we would change. And what that means is for every single one of us right now, we need to say, Holy Spirit, show me. Show me how I'm being a Christian atheist. I'm just going to read a list of some things we tend to do very commonly, just, just things. And you can see which ones make it to the top of your list. This is not in any order, but Christian atheists, they crave acceptance from people more than acceptance from God. And when we do, we will do anything for those people, whatever that means. Christian atheists rarely share their faith with their friends. Christian atheists gauge their morality by comparing themselves to the people around them rather than to God and His Word. I mean, we know we're not quite all there, but we're way better than most. God's got to be happy with me. I made the top percentile. Jesus isn't the standard. Being better than that guy is. Christian atheists only turn to God when things aren't going well. Don't raise your hand for this, but come on. We know our prayer life seriously goes up with our problems. And you wonder why we have problems. 
Well, let me just give you an analogy. I'm a dad with four kids, and if they will talk to me better when life is messed up, I'm going to sneak into their room and break their toys and hide their stuff and ruin their food because maybe they'll talk to me if they've got problems. I came in yesterday from a two-day trip, and normally kids run and hug me. But one of my kids, my wife had taken yard sale shopping. She took all three of them yard sale shopping. But one of my kids was still enthralled with her new toys. She didn't come downstairs for two hours. I was gone for two days. For two days, I come in the living room. I am talking. Her room's right above it. She can hear me. And she's more into her new toys than her daddy. I can help some problems. I'm going to take all those toys and throw them in the trash. Maybe then you'll talk to me. Christian atheists want to be saved from the penalty of sin, but they don't want to change the way they live. Thank God for heaven. Christian atheists put their happiness above obedience to God. Christian atheists think more about life on earth than eternity in heaven. Christian atheists give as long as it doesn't impinge upon their standard of living. Christian atheists want what Jesus did for them without changing to be more like him. Christian atheists are really good at saying, I know what the Bible says, but... The bottom line, Christian atheists simply aren't that different from the rest of the world. And they got something they believe up here, but they look like the rest of the world. You know, the Bible talks about that too. It says, I know your works. You are neither cold nor hot. Oh, would that you were either cold or hot. So because you are lukewarm and neither hot nor cold, I will spit you out of my mouth the word spit there is actually the same Greek word for vomit you vomit things when they make you sick you're disgusted by them I don't know about you but that hurts me when I get a word picture in my head a word picture that I could be sickening to God because of my lukewarm life that hurts to think that I could be doing that that, that, that I could be something that w- he would want to vomit out because of the way I choose to keep myself as my own king that, that hurts hey come on God I mean basically God says I, I wish that you loved me with all your heart or hated me with all your guts because at least then you'd be true to something That's, that's hard, isn't it? So here's what we've got to do today. We've got to choose. Are we going to continue living with this contradiction of a lifestyle? Are we going to continue being a lukewarm Christian? You know, the truth is, we kind of, we just admit everybody's a lukewarm Christian and we kind of go on our way. So let's say it this way. Are we going to continue being a Christian atheist? Or will we confront the contradictions in our lives? So right now, I'm not giving you homework. No, 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 this is not a homework class. This is a classwork class. Right now, I want to challenge you to ask God 
Where in your life are a Christian atheist? Where are you a Christian atheist? I want to challenge us to make a change. No negotiations, unconditionally. Say, I will do whatever you say right now. What does the Holy Spirit say to you? What do you say? You don't have to say it out loud. No negotiations, no contradictions. We've all got many. What was the one that he said? What was the first thing that came to your mind? No negotiations, do it. Do it. Do it. The greatest evidence we are Christians is when we live with him as king. What you say you believe does not matter at all. I went off to college, like I said. I was, I'd been in band all four years in high school. I was the band captain. I was the cool kid who knew everything. I went off to become a band director. I was a music major. So what do you do? You go back home so you can be like the cool kid on the block. I went back home to help my, my high school band to do band camp. And so I walked around, and and because I'd gone to college, and our campus ministry was cool, and they got t-shirts that talked about loving Jesus. I wore one of my cool college campus ministry t-shirts. One day when I was doing band rehearsal with these kids that had grown up with me, they had known me for like three or four years, depending on how long they had, how many years they were behind me. And one of the flute players looked at me, looked at my shirt, and said, I didn't know you were a Christian. Greatest evidence you're a Christian is not what's up here. It's who is king when someone looks at your life. I want to close today by giving a few of you some good news. The rest of you are all mad at me right now. But there's a couple of you I'm going to give some good news to. There is somebody in this room who's not a Christian atheist. Now here's the bad news, because you're not a Christian the only way the only way there is somebody here who is just like me you grew up going to church or you're like someone else who grew up not going to church but the point is you're here because you believe there is a God and you believe you should check a box by worshiping him but you have never said I will live for you you've never become a Christian and the good news for you is you can't be a Christian atheist until you become a Christian you've at least got to make a declaration Jesus, you died for me. I want to live for you. I know I'm going to struggle. I'm going to mess that up. And I'm going to need this sermon I just heard right as soon as I get started. But we got to get started. And if you're one of those people, you have always believed, but you have never said, thank you for dying for me. I want to live for you. I want to help you do that this morning. You do not have to stand up. You do not have to come down front right where you're seated. Would you all join me and pray? Say something like this to yourself and to God. Lord Jesus, I thank you that you died for me. And now, I want to live for you. I thank you for your love, your mercy, your forgiveness. And I pray as I become a believer, as I become a Christian, that you will help me every step of the way to not be a Christian atheist that I will give you everything now. In Jesus' name, amen. Let's celebrate with those people, amen. Thanks for listening to the Grace Life Podcast. For more information about us, you can go to gracelife.me. That's gracelife.me. 
You can also follow us on Facebook at facebook.com backslash Grace Life Me and on Twitter at Grace Life Church. Mm-hmm.